addition to doing this fine podcast and apparently on the radio at occasion. Um, the thing I've become most accustomed to collecting in the last 10 years has been sort of groovy, cool, vibey, cheesecake album covers. Whether it's jazz, whether it's rock and roll, whether it's space age bachelor pad music like Martin Denny, I love collecting them. But I also have come to love a lot of the music that's on a lot of these records. Martin Denny is a fucking weirdo, man. But if there's somebody who understood <laughs> atmosphere before most people understood atmosphere, it was Martin Denny. And this one, I mean, again, it's it's not terrifying, but it is unusual. And I I'd feel like, like to be his record rep for just a second. Hey, man, I'm not. Uh... Not hearing a single on this on this album. Just not. Uh, he not never had a single. No, this is the kind of thing that guys would put on on the hi-fi, uh, the console uh, in the background. Oh yeah. When a young lady was coming over for dinner, and um, uh, I can like, smell the smoking jacket. From would here. you like a cocktail? <laughs> um, oh, I'm just going to put a little something on the hi-fi, and that's what this kind of music oh, was yeah. for. Very atmospheric, but also like supper club music, right? Like sure. I mean, not intrusive, but still wonderful and enjoyable and very vibey to listen to. It is The Brian Oak Show, episode 346, if my math is correct. That seems about right. Okay, doesn't really matter, no, does it? Nobody... I'm Brian Oak, and that's Sean Bernard. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm okay. It's a weird day, but I'm all right, man. That's good. Yeah. Most of freaking liar. I, I'm not lying. I just I'm I I got hit with a couple of big pieces of info today sure, that I'm still sure. processing. Not ready to talk about one of them. Not legal. Actually, both of them not legally talked, allowed to talk about. But that's not why we're here. What we're here for is to talk to today's guest. Who um, I'm excited. I haven't seen this guy in more than 20 years face wow. to face. And. Might be closer to 30 years, which is wild to think about. He still looks the same. I look like I was in a plane crash and then beaten with rakes for the next two years. <laughs> and then finally, and then finally allowed to re-enter <clears throat> polite society. So uh, I'm a little jealous. But should we I'm, let I'm, him live or should we just hit him with the rake? Just keep time? hit him with rakes. Just maybe he'll go away. <laughs> keep hitting him with rakes. That's been my life. But before we move forward and talk to Martin Zeller, I would like to thank Smart Start MN. We are in the Smart Start MN studio. Modest though it may be, in South Minneapolis, this is a place we call our own, and without their largesse, we would not be able to do this. We are coming up on a four-year anniversary of doing this freaking podcast, my man. Yeah, that is... Uh, we Weird. never thought that was going to happen what? from the get-go. Why? Yeah, when I, when I, when I shared the, the business plan, with you as it were on this podcast yeah there's no way we thought we were making it four years well i i I didn't know i mean i i didn't know anything about podcasts and now we do one and of course thanks to audio equip we have this lovely equipment here in uh the smart start mn studios but smart start mn signed on before we even did one which speaks a lot to who they are as people because these are people who are looking out for other people and they realize that there are things in the community that are more important all right so maybe you drank and you drove which was super dumb but you did it and now you got to figure out how to fix your life and get back to doing what you need to do which is drive your car around places it's pretty difficult in this day and age to not have a vehicle smart start mn make sure you're back in your vehicle for cheaper and quicker than virtually anywhere else can do for you uh and they're good people too man they're just they're good people to work with yeah they started out as clients they've really become friends of both of us yep. um, really really great guys uh the funny thing is about drinking and driving is there are people who think 
I'll just park my car four blocks away. Oops. And then I won't drive. Mm. Now, I don't know who that person would have been about 10 years ago. I mean. But that's what people do sometimes. Uh, if you want to save some extra money, go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. Obviously, we don't drink anymore. But no. I, I think about the number of times where I'm like, fuck, where did I park again? Oh, no. And you wander and you start walking around and you're clicking oh, the yeah. clicky. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You ever done that before? Oh, yeah. And even the pre-clicky days where there wasn't a beep-beep yeah. of your... Somebody like, stole my car! That's <laughs> exactly. A, like, or you're an idiot. When you got there, you parked yeah. somewhere that was not allowed. And when you come out at 2 in the morning, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, it's I gone. I had that happen with a Wallflowers concert. I was living out of town, and the gal I was dating Go on. was like, "You can. I used to park here all the time. You're going to be fine. I was literally down to my last $200 because I worked in radio. Uh, <laughs> I've been there. In fact, I am there. And the ticket and everything else was like 178 Did she offer to chip in a nickel no. on the ticket? How about? Zero. Did we date another day after that concert? The answer is no. Oh. Yeah. You, you don't tell oh, me to park someplace where you always parked. I'm totally broke. I was like, "Where well, it's yeah. over. Come on. Wow. Who are we kidding here? Breaking up over a tone. We also want to thank Scott McKay, the mortgage guy at Edge Home Finance. You can contact him today at 612-875-4338. I do not have his special Android number here that you have. Oh, you mean his NMLS number? That exactly. That is 332-068, just in case the feds are listening into this podcast. No, you, you know how the feds love the Brian Oak yeah. Show. Absolutely. I was just going to say, somebody just asked me, like, how can somebody move like with these interest rates the way they are? And I'm like, mm. first of all... Shut up. You weren't around for the 70s and 80s when they were a billion percent. Uh, 20%, 25%? Yeah, it, was, it, was crazy. it was nuts. And here's the other thing. People move because of life changes. And so if you need to move, please get in touch with Scott. He's a fantastic guy. He'll take you through the entire process, under, unlike big banks that freaking shuffle you through 16 people. That number, once again, 612-875-4338. Um, I really am excited to get to our next guest. Yeah, so me we're gonna, too, we're, man. We're going to play this first song here. Martin Zeller is going to be joining us just ahead. Um, it's weird to see a person's face that you haven't seen in person for 20 years because it marks the passage of time. Unlike his smooth, wrinkle-free face, I'm almost convinced he's Botoxing it these days because he looks so <laughs> fucking good. Uh, but while the rest of us continue to decay yeah, and become over. crusty creatures of the past, mm. Martin Zeller looks amazing and is still at it. Thank God for all of that. We'll get to him just ahead, but first, I wanted to play a song. I'm going through a weird patch right now, Sean. I'm going to be yep. honest, and I'm not going to get super dark, super weird, but I do like Halloween, and I do love of October, and even though this season is throwing plenty of challenges my direction, if you think I'm not still getting into Halloween, you are sorely mistaken. Yesterday, I listened to Queens of the Stone Age's scariest record called Lullabies to Paralyze, and this is one of my very, very, very favorites. It's tangled up in plaid. Queens of the Stone Age on The Brian Oak Show.
obviously, the name of that song by Queens of the Stone Age, Tangled Up in Plaid, is a play on Tangled Up in Blue by Bob Dylan. Interestingly, regarding our guest today, Robert Hilburn of the L.A. Times once wrote, Writers from Dylan to Springsteen often tell us far more about the human condition by concentrating on life's everyday moments. That's the strength of Martin Zeller. And Martin Zeller joins us today. I'm really proud to have him here and excited to see his face because it's been a minute. Martin, the most important question, how are you? Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Gladly. It's great to have you on. We're having you on for a number of reasons. You've got the latest record. You are going on a a tour to support it. You've also lived a long ways away from here, so we don't get to see you up in this neck of the woods every single day. In fact, you live towards the other end of the continent that we live on right now. Before we dive into any of that, I like to start at the beginning. People know you from the Gear Daddies. They know you from your solo career. Austin, Minnesota, right? Born and raised? Yes, sir. All right. And so when, if you don't mind my asking, since we've never had you on before, I like to always do a little bit of groundwork, a little bit of bass work. When did music become the thing for you? Did you raid someone's record collection? (laughs) Did you find a tambourine laying in an abandoned parking lot? When did music grab you? When did it catch you at your, the earliest memory you have of it? Um, fifth grade, uh, my aunt and uncle gave us a, copy of the American Graffiti soundtrack. Yeah. And my parents listened to Sinatra and, you know, Perry, or whatever. Yeah, they, yeah. sure. Maybe a little so, Trini Lopez. Oh, yeah. Maybe that if they got really out there. But <laughs> I, uh, so I got that and I played the, I remember I played a Runaway specifically, the song Runaway mm-hmm. by Mel Shan was on there and that just like broke my, what would have been like 10 year old heart, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so so then how do I mean, like, so you can walk around the house clapping your hands and singing, but at some point you pick up an instrument. At some point you become a musician. How does that transition begin? Uh, well, I got a guitar. My parents, we, we had no money. I mean, we're poor by American standards. Mm-hmm. Now that I, I know what real poverty looks like, mm-hmm. but they, I wanted a guitar and they dug deep and got me one and so I felt like I really had an obligation to learn it. I mean, I've, I'm not a great guitar player, but I learned it well enough to write with and be a rhythm guitar player. And I mean, this obviously though is important. At some point, you're fired up. You're like, I'm I'm doing this. When does that happen? Middle school, yeah. for sure. I mean, you decided you were going to be a professional musician in middle school. I knew I wanted to be. I see. All right, <laughs> all, right. all right, all right. Fair so, enough. Fair enough. I mean, part of it, honestly, is you know, I growing up in Austin, Minnesota. It's a small meatpacking town. Mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like that was really something that happened <laughs> to people in Austin, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. That was something that you know, people, very special people out on the coasts, did. Yeah. But not not kids. In not people in Midwestern meatpacking towns? Exactly. So how far from first hearing the Del Shannon song to you picking up the instrument? What, what, how long was that transition time before you got the guitar? I guess two years. Oh, wow. So you were like 12 now and finally picking up the guitar, taking lessons. And when was your first band? Uh, eighth grade. And what was the, we always ask this question, what was the name of that eighth grade band? Fallout. 
That's not bad. And Actually, just, that's we, super cool. We have heard some really cheesy, cheesy, bad. Oh, just, yeah. I mean, and just terrible names. Like, <laughs> yeah, just Because awful. most people in eighth grade, they haven't quite gotten there yet. Fallout is pretty good. I mean, were you living under the fear of nuclear annihilation, or what did Fallout mean to you guys? Well, you know, back then, they had the three triangles. Oh, yeah. Fallout yeah, yeah, shelters yeah, yeah. were still Scary. everywhere, yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. like... You know, they were ubiquitous. And... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so was there Was there sort of, I mean, but again, Fallout is kind of the darker end of our thoughts and our spectrum, right? I mean, was there sort of a rebellious, dare I say, punk rock attitude about calling a band Fallout? Or was it just dangerous and interesting and yellow and black? Yeah, I think the latter. Yeah? All right. Yeah. All right. Although I did want to, by the time I hit high school, I desperately wanted to be Joe Strummer. That was like... <laughs> Who I wanted. Yeah. yeah, I got my ear pierced. Yeah. And I, you know, whoa, whoa, not a whole ear piercing. I swear to in God, Austin, I did. I did it in high school, and I got both of them pierced because I wanted to be a pirate, and I started wearing funny <laughs> boots and long, I grew my hair out. That didn't work well in Coon Rapids. I can only imagine what your ear piercing must have meant to the other denizens of Austin. How do we get from you, young Joe Strummer, ear-pierced wannabe, to... The Gear Daddies getting off the ground. When when did the Gear Daddies start? Um, well, I planned out my eighth grade band. My bass player was Nick Ciola, and wow, back then he's still my. We still we've been playing together. What's that? Forty five years. That's wild to know someone that long, isn't it? Because yeah. I have friends that I'm I I passed the forty year mark with as well, and I can't quite get my head around it. Yeah, well, we were best friends since nursery school, so we played. In a band for 45 years. That's crazy. I mean, you probably threw blocks at each other at one point. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Are you still throwing blocks at each other? Yeah, that was high school. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, I mean, obviously the seeds of the Gear Daddies go back a very long time. When did the Gear Daddies become the Gear Daddies? How does that first foment? Uh, I think we'd, uh, we all moved, our three of us moved up to the Twin Cities and... And what was the, I mean, was the motivation like, we're going to go to the cities and be in a band, or was it just, we got to get out of this meatpacking place because it's not our future. We'd rather roll the dice and see what the future holds in the big city. What was what was the, the momentum? What was the impetus for moving to the Twin Cities? Well, definitely just to get out of Austin. Yeah. Um, but again, I knew I wanted to do this, and I was going to give it my best shot. And, obviously, that shot paid off. Um, I mean, not everybody is probably intimate with your catalog, but I, when I got out of Coon Rapids, I moved uh, to Minneapolis and shortly thereafter met a woman uh, who I became acquainted with and we were together for the next three years and she would literally never fucking shut up about you guys. She loved you so much. It was on the hi-fi constantly. And I'm like, no, they sound good, and they're obvious. They're clearly talented. I mean, when I tell you color of her eyes, I, I, luckily I haven't been there a lot of times. I'm not as good looking as you are, so I, <laughs> I haven't found myself in that sort of unfortunate situation. But the quality of songwriting like that or Statue of Jesus, uh, I... I you guys stuck with me and you got inside my head, but how does it come to pass that you all move up here? Did you just, were you playing together? Was there another band before there was Gear Daddies or did Gear Daddies just magically happen? I think kind of like that. Like I said, Nick and I had been playing together since uh, eighth grade mm -hmm. and Randy, our pedal steel guitar player and uh, guitar player, was our 
high school teacher. Well, I didn't really? know that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. He didn't say Mr. that. He was on the show three weeks ago. What did yeah. Mr. Broughton... He was just in this room yeah. recently. What did Mr. Broughton teach? Well, he was a, a roving substitute back then. Okay. But he went on to be... I mean, he taught up here in the Twin Cities for years after the Gear Daddies, well, quote-unquote, broke up. But. And so how... how okay, okay, okay. okay. I, I'm sorry to ask or be pedantic, but... How does it come to pass that a former substitute teacher that you'd obviously found a fondness for over the years, how does he come to be a member of your young burgeoning band? Well, he was in a band in Austin mm-hmm. uh, that he played on weekends, and we were really big fans of the band. We'd sneak into bars or have uh, Nick's mom would bring us in, like, <laughs> nice. get us in. So we were a really big fan of his of his band, yeah. and then. You know, when we moved to the Twin Cities, we were a trio for a long time, just uh, Nick and Billy and I. Yeah. And Randy would sit in now and again, but he was still teaching down in Austin. Um, So when he finally moved up, he kind of made the commitment to play full time. And that, you know, until Randy joined, we weren't the gear daddies. I mean, we were calling ourselves the gear daddies, but once Randy joined, that was the band. I'm just, I'm having a moment here, so I apologize for stalling. Um, I just, wow, I, to think about the legacy and what the band has meant to me over the years, and obviously what it's meant to you, but what it's meant to the greater Twin Cities community, the reason we do this podcast, Sean and I together, mm-hmm. is we love this place. We love it a great deal. And so when we started doing this podcast almost four years ago, we said, what are we going to do it about? And we never really decided, but it turned out it's sort of, like water found its own level, right? And it's become hyper-local in the sense that we like to tell the stories, whether from a musical perspective, an entrepreneurial perspective, whatever the case may be, about the place that we live. And that's the real value of what we do here. Before we go any further, and also obviously we're going to dig into the record, we're going to dig into the upcoming tour in support of it, I would like you to, because you talked about it, this was one of the early... Fire starters for you, Del Shannon. Why this song? What I mean, do, can you can you articulate? And I'm certain that you can. Can you articulate why this song was such a powerful motivator at such a young age for you? Yeah, you know, I don't think I can quite articulate. <laughs> Honestly, it just you're hit, Martin Zeller, it, of course yeah. you can. <laughs> it hit me. Uh, it was I don't know. It just I was a sad kid. Like I mm. and. That song hit me really hard. I I believed that he was. That's it. And as it turns out, Dale Shannon was a very, very depressed. I mean, mm. he was. He had a wasn't a happy guy. So I don't know if I can actually could actually feel that. But I was pretty sure that that was real, and it resonated with me. Like I found a kindred spirit.
all of it. I love the entire song. <laughs> I, I, I like the keyboards. I like the wee dee 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 yeah, yeah. that, that it runs over the top of it. The entire thing. You say it appealed to you because you were a sad kid, Martin. Are you a happier adult now than you were as a kid? Absolutely. I mean, I've, in all honesty, I've never been as happy as I am now. I'm just thrilled to be where I'm at. Well, I mean, that's but that's the whole process of growing up, right? Is like becoming the person you were supposed to be. Yeah, you hope so. Yeah. All right. Very good. Before we continue with Martin Zeller, I want to turn my attention to someone else who was a sad kid but grew up to be the man we all knew he would be one day. That's Sean Bernard. In addition to being my friend, my ally, co-business owner, he's also a realtor for Remax Results. And as you mentioned earlier, the realty game is getting more challenging. I read a report this morning that 90% of people are like, this is no time to buy a house because, you know, interest rates have climbed to, oh, no, not they're still in the single digits. Yes. It's not that crazy. Yeah. But people get weirded out and they're like, I've missed the opportunity. I'll live here until I die. Yeah, you know, it just depends on the person. Like I said, it depends on what life changes they have happening. If you only lived in your house for two years, am I going to suggest you go move and pay a higher interest rate? Absolutely not. Stick right. in your house, stay there a long time. But I have a lot of, you know, peers that have been in their house for 30 years. It's paid off. They're trying to downsize because now their kids are out. Well, you're in a cash situation then. So, yeah, it's a, that's fine that you move. I'm not going to suggest you do something that's going to make you upside down. It's just not going to happen. Right. I was one of those kids, by the way, that just got, I got called too sensitive all the time. And at some point. Well, I took, to be fair, you are too sensitive. Well, and so are you. We were both. Oh! No, we both. No, we Ouch. both. We both have always Ouch. been. And I, and I used to feel bad about it because my dad was this big macho Marine type, yeah, yeah. you know. Right. And I just felt like he just thinks I'm a giant pussy. I'm going to say the word. Whoa. I just thought, I always thought that my father looked at me that way. But he did a really cool thing. At eight years old, he's, we got all the Beatles albums uh, from an uncle that was in the record business uh, for Capitol Records. And my dad said, I know that you love music. I want you to listen to these albums with headphones on. I want you to listen to every instrument and every lyric. And although my dad and I, to this day, we get along, but it was a very challenging relationship, very yeah. different men. I'm very proud of the fact that I'm a sensitive guy. And, yeah. and you know, somebody like Martin, I've heard so much of your music. Thank God you had that sensitivity because it's always shown in your music. Uh, from a real estate standpoint, I care about my clients. I have clients that I've been very dear friends with. Uh, uh, you know, I've I helped so many different musicians, uh, partners themselves, buy and sell uh, homes and that sort of thing. And one of the things that I did at the start of the pandemic is I started donating a portion of every buy and sell to an area musician or band. And at this point, it's become thousands of dollars, and I'm proud of it because I could never possibly give enough back to music for what it's given me. Right. For me, in many cases, it's my spirituality. It's I, I mean, when I can't relate to people, I can relate to music and that sort of thing. So if you know somebody that's looking to buy or sell and they're not afraid to have a good cry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> have them call 612-859-2594, that number is also textable you know you bring up an interesting point because i am extremely sensitive and i yeah. cry on the regular and i don't ever try to stop it because no. to me it feels like a safety valve but i wonder if there's a way to monetize it 
Could I have the Brian Oak crying channel on OnlyFans? Like people who just want to watch me cry. Like a bucketeer type of thing? I could, we could probably do that. Huh. Not buccaneer, bucketeer. Yeah, no, I heard yeah, you. Okay, I heard okay. you. <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Thinking out loud. On-air production meeting. Martin Zeller is our guest. <laughs> and I don't, want, I don't want to waste his time. Martin, we are going to talk about the new record and the tour that's coming up as well. But you, uh, new information for both Sean and I. I knew that you didn't live here anymore, but I did not realize you lived in... Mexico. What was the impetus for moving to Mexico? Uh, well, first of all, I'm with you guys completely. My wife and I are both from Austin, Minnesota. Go yeah. on. Two yeah. shades of white from Austin. Right. Yeah. And uh, we love Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Well, that's clear. Truly, I don't think, I don't think do. anyone would You've ever question that. You've given back a ton to this state, man. But, but uh, it, I would say it's uh, January and February. Yeah, that's a problem. You know, it's a big problem. And it goes back to my sensitivity. It's like, it's the light. I can't, oh, I can't handle I can't it. take yeah. the lack of light. Yeah. Snow is magical. I love it. I don't like to drive in it or yeah, shovel yeah. it. Cold, I don't like again, but it's the lack of sunlight. It's the short days. My wife finally just said, I can't. I can't take you like this. Let's get out of here. <laughs> We're going south. So so it, the impetus was because you have seasonal affective disorder, and it was time to go. Absolutely. And I don't think there's anything. I mean, there's a reason there are snowbirds, right? Like, my parents go to Arizona for two months every single year and then spend a little time on the West Coast and come back once it's finally a little more tenable around here, which we're heading in the wrong direction right now. So you moved, but, I mean, like, moving south to Sedona or... Somewhere, Arizona, Mexico, Southern California, whatever the case may be. Moving to Mexico sounds like it requires a lot of paperwork and a lot of weirdness. What 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 made you go to Mexico? Uh, it's it's easier than you'd think. Yeah. But it started out as what we thought would be like a one year yeah. just adventure. Sure. Our boys were I think in fifth and eighth grade at that point and we thought let's move well, for, we had fallen in love with the city, my wife and I. We had visited a bunch of times. Yeah. But mm-hmm. We thought, let's just go there for a year, give the boys some perspective on the world and learn a language. And they went to a very cool international school. I was going to say, were they fluent when you moved down there? Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. I think uh, none of us were. I mean, I spoke a tiny bit because yeah. we lived in Austin, Texas. And mm-hmm. I had picked some up. but And so the boys, after a year, were thriving. They loved it and then asked to stay another year. Wow. And it just kept kept being extended by a year. And then we had a very, very surprised late life baby that was born down there. So, and I mean, she identifies as Mexican 100%. Yeah. I mean. Well, she literally is Mexican. She yeah. was born there, you know. But yeah, she, that's Spanish is her first language. Wow. For all intents and purposes, she speaks English at home. My wife and I both speak Spanish, but not like Clementine speaks Spanish. Yeah. Right. If we told her we were fluent, she would roll her eyes. <laughs> well, that's the job of a child, isn't it? Yeah. They're going to roll their uh, roll their eyes at almost anything you say. Yeah, she just turned fourteen, but she's a she's a doll, so but yeah. you know, the other shoe we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. But. Well, I mean that always happens and it, it sometimes it gets picked back up and other times it just drops very heavily. <laughs> uh, you're still you're still though in Mexico, right? That's still home base. Correct. Well, we we have a place up here and I spend I'll, you know, it's 
especially lately, been spending a lot of time here. Well, you've had work to do. You've been working on a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, late life baby will do that too. I thought, <laughs> I thought we had kind of yeah. semi-retired. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we could live down there off my well Zamboni royalties. You know, yeah. just it is a hell of a song. Oh God. I mean, you <laughs> never saw. You probably never saw that coming, though. That you'd get. I mean, with all the NHL teams picking it up and no. nice mailbox money, we're thinking. Yeah, I mean, it, if it allows you to live independently in Mexico most of the year, I don't see how you could look at that as anything but a lottery ticket, man. Well, yeah, I do now, but you know, as a yeah. songwriter. Last, oh, you don't want to like, yeah. be you don't yeah. want to be defined yeah. by right. Yeah. What's well, basically a novelty song, and you know, I I know it'll be the first line in my obituary, yeah. uh, <laughs> <and it's> like, <laughs> which is you know, it's not your dream. No, no, you've written but... so many beautiful songs, but it is what it is. At least that song allows you to write all the other incredible songs you're able to write. Absolutely, I mean, it's but... the difference between me. I've been able to make a living like yes. doing this. I haven't had to have it. My last job was overnight stocking shelves that. T1, Target 1 in Roseville. Wow. So that's the last job I had. Um, and that song is, you know. Uh, look, man, there is no judgment here because it's kind of like for Trip Shakespeare, Toolmaster, right? Like, I mean, like, it's a novelty song, and but it's kind of brilliant. Now, it hasn't made the kind of money Zamboni has, but you were, frankly, a little smarter about your lyrical choices when it came to that particular <laughs> song. Speaking of, let's talk about the record Head West, because you've headed south with your family and your life in general. Head West is the name of your latest effort. How long ago did those songs start percolating? How long have they been in the hopper? Not long. It was... It's a COVID album in that it was, the songs were written... Mm-hmm. Over COVID, I mean, I have never had that much uninterrupted time to sit and think and and read is a big one for me. Reading is is reading a book is as likely to trigger a song than listening to music. Um, so having that time to just sit there and you know it involved a lot of trips down memory lane, which often led to you know thinking about where I was going. So it. That album came together very quickly. We uh, built a I built a really nice little studio in our back garden. It hasn't even been there here or a Mexico year. in Mexico. Okay. We couldn't afford to do it here, so yeah. it's another thing about living there is it we much more affordable. Yes, yeah, a quality of life that you know we couldn't. It we would be solidly probably lower middle class here but yeah. it, uh, <laughs> but down there you're like fabulous superstars like ricardo montalban and people are coming by all the time well you know it's our old neighbor was john davidson from that's incredible oh, stop it that's Gosh, our, that's yeah unbelievable i mean like better hair than burt convy john davidson and he still got it too what Although, yeah he what? was our old neighbor though we we moved and i haven't seen john yeah, he had that. You got big, to be pals huge, with John Davidson. Oh no, not pals. Well, we, but, but we, neighbors. Yeah, I mean, they we lived fairly close to him, and and I'd I'd run into him especially at the airport because we'd be flying back or forth to the U.S. Yeah, a yeah. lot, and he was a very funny, self-deprecating guy, and. Well, he was it, always charming. Like, does he still have the cheekbones and the he, dimples he and ab- everything? Yeah, absolutely. All of it. He, yeah, all of it. But dazzling teeth. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember, man. I remember. No, it's just he's got white, white hair, but he otherwise, oops, otherwise looks exactly like an wild. His point, and it's this is true, and I mean, it, kind of the reason we're there is, as he would point out, like he made a phenomenal amount of money over a short, fairly short period of time because yeah. he was also Hollywood Squares host. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, if he had stayed in Hollywood. He oh, wouldn't be able to afford his no property way. taxes, no so way. he can move to yeah. Mexico and kind right. of live the quality of life or, you know, the lifestyle that he'd come accustomed to. And I have a question for you, getting back to your music for just a second. Your son, Wilson, is in the band with you. How long has he been playing with you, and how long has he been playing? He has been playing since seventh grade. Wow. He's never had a lesson, nor did I, but he never asked me to show him anything. Really? And he's he's only he's kind of slumming it with dad for this tour. <laughs> okay, he played all of it. Slumming it with he's, dad. He is. I mean, I, I know he loves me. I know my yeah. kids love me, but yeah. ultimately, I'm their dad, and that's, <laughs> that's not very cool. That he uh, he played every guitar on the new album, every one. I, that's great. I didn't even pick up a guitar. I gave Wild. him. I gave him my acoustic demos with my voice, and he took that. But and he's I, we. Since he played on the album, it made sense for him to do the tour. And mm-hmm. He's he's taken a couple of months off from his own career to help me out. So wild, that's, so that's cool. amazing, man. Because again, it doesn't always work out that way. I mean, it's one thing to be like, "Oh, my kid played a track on this one track," but yeah. the whole bit and part of the touring band. He uh, he also engineered and mixed and mastered the whole thing. He's, oh my gosh, I had no idea he did all that. Yeah. Oh, so, you, so not only, no, he's not slumming with dad. You're getting by on the cheap because your son is <laughs> well, really a savant. Yeah, well, I, yeah, okay. I paid him. I paid him. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, that's I what could. you say. <laughs> but until we see the documentation, I don't know that we're going to believe that. Martin Zeller is our guest. Very honored to have him in the Smart Start MN studios. Before we go any further, we will talk about the tour. The show's coming up at the Parkway, which is literally two Doors down from where we are in the Smart Start MN Studios, you picked another song right here. I would argue that this man's in the conversation for the greatest ever American songwriter. Now, it doesn't mean he's the greatest, but in my humble opinion, I've never once had a song of his come on in a mix on the radio at a friend's house and been like, can we listen to something else? He's one of the greatest of all time, but I want to know from you why you love him and why you chose this song. Well, I... Absolutely love them, always have, but I'm in Austin. Uh, we had two stations. We had a classic country station, and we had a, a Caro C, which was, you know, sticks oh, and yeah. whatever. So wherever yeah. you were in Austin, Minnesota, one of those two stations was playing. So I grew up listening to a lot of Johnny Cash because that's what was always playing at the restaurant I washed dishes at. <laughs> but How long did you wash dishes? Oh, God, uh Four, I mean, I think four years all through high school. Man, Nick's Nick's Ciola's parents owned it, so that's, oh, right that's on. the only reason I could get a job. They probably threw in an extra seven or eight cents an hour oh, on they, that. Then they, I remember because back in those days, it's hard for people to imagine now, but I remember working in those days. I mean, minimum wage was like three and a half bucks, man. You didn't make anything for doing that kind of work. No, I think it was two seventy five. When I first started, yeah. yeah. But, you know, you're living at home. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But it's just so, a little extra walking around money. I get yeah. it. Yeah. But I we've the one station that would come in really late at night was it WLS out of Chicago? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Clear Channel or what radio uh-huh. it was like so late at night that would come in. Yeah. And they played 
the uh, the B side of of uh, Falls in Prison Blues. Yep, which was a boy named Sue, which was written by Shel Silverstein, another actually fairly prolific songwriter and author. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. a great great tribute album to him that has everybody from Jack Black to whoever uh, all or Frank Black rather uh, all playing his songs. The number of songs he's written is kind of overwhelming. I had no idea until that record came out. Yeah, he was kind of a, I mean, a really crazy interesting cat, but he, uh, and I, almost a renaissance kind of guy, <laughs> but he, uh, the, I mean, and I wanted that one because there was a bleep. They bleeped a word on that song, yeah. and I was, you know, and I, I suppose I was still in elementary school, and man, I heard that bleep, and I had the same thing. The first album <laughs> I bought, which was uh, Bob Dylan's Desire, yeah. Had to bleep the word in the song "hurricane." It made me want to go get you know. Is that yeah. sort of danger? Oh my god! Did they bleep the N word in that? I think uh, that's what it was. Yes, I think it was. I believe so. Yeah, was but, but I mean, you hear that bleep. It, here's the word. Oh, uh, like as a kid. Oh my god! You grew up Catholic. I grew up Catholic. Did you grow up Catholic? I no, I grew up Methodist. Okay, which, that's yeah. fine. Well, the Methodists are a little more Catholic in laws. But but that also, I mean, there's there's something about the forbidden when you're young, and you're like, why don't they want me to know? The it's the worst thing you could do is to censor something because then all anybody yep. wants is yep. to fucking know what the hell is going on, and you're driven towards it. Absolutely, it was it was edgy. It was just like it seemed you yeah. know, dangerous yeah. and wow. You were a punk rocker before there was punk rock. <laughs> I wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go ahead and hear a little Johnny Cash on the Brian Oak Show. Well, my daddy left home when I was three and he didn't leave much for Ma and me. Just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. Well, he must have thought that it was quite a joke and it got a lot of laughs from lots of folks. Seems I had to fight my whole life through. Some gal would giggle and I'd get red And some guy'd laugh and I'd bust his head I tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue Well, I grew up quick and I grew up mean My fist got hard, my wits got keen Roamed from town to town to hide my shame But I made me a vow to the moon and stars I'd search the honky-tonks and bars And kill that man that gave me that awful name well, it was Gatlinburg in mid-July, and I just hit town, and my throat was dry. I thought I'd stop and have myself a groove. At an old saloon on a street of mud, there at a table, dealing stud, such a dirty mangy dog that named me Sue. Well, I knew that snake was my own sweet dad from a worn-out picture that my mother had, and I knew that scar on his cheek and his evil eye. He was big and and my blood ran cold and I said my name is Sue how do you do how do you die yeah that's what I told him well I hit him hard right between the eyes and he went down but to my surprise come up with a knife and cut off a piece of my ear 
But I busted a chair right across his teeth And we crashed through the wall and into the street Kicking and a-gouging in the mud and the blood and the beard I tell you, I fought tougher men But I really can't remember when He kicked like a mule and he bit like a crocodile I heard him laugh and then I heard him cuss And he went for his gun and I pulled mine first He stood there looking at me and I saw him smile He said, son... This world is rough, and if a man's gonna make it, he's gotta be tough. And I know I wouldn't be there to help you along. So I give you that name, and I said goodbye. I knew you'd have to get tough or die. And it's that name that helped to make you strong. Yeah. He said, now you just fought one hell of a fight. And I know you hate me, and you got the right to kill me now. And I wouldn't blame you if you do. But you ought to thank me before I die For the gravel in your guts and the spit in the eye Cause I'm the that named you Sue Yeah, what could I do? I got all choked up and I threw down my gun Called him a paw and he called me a son And I come away with a different point of view And I think about him now and then Every time I try and every time I win And if I ever have a son I think I'm gonna name him Bill or George, anything but Sue. I tell him. Seriously, one of the most evocative storytellers. For me, lyrics matter as much as a good hook. I love a good hook as much as anybody, but lyrics matter and storytelling matters. Obviously, that's informed a great deal of your career up to and including your newest album, Go West, or rather Head West. I was going to ask, do you worry that people will think you're simply copying the Village People's album, Go West? Boy, I didn't even know they had one, but yeah. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Time to get up to speed on the village guess, people, my good so. man. All right, I'll do time, a deep dive. Time <laughs> to get up to speed. Go west. Life is peaceful there. Why did you call it Head West? I mean, I'm not. I, I don't really like to ask about album titles or song titles, but I wondered: is there sort of an overriding philosophy in the way you came to these songs? Does it? Does it? Is it a river that runs through this particular song cycle, or was it simply something that you were thinking about? Uh, actually, it goes back to the earlier point when I was sitting there in my bedroom in Austin, like I wanted out of there really bad, but yeah. I also, I had the serious seasonal affective disorder. Mm-hmm. And I always had this, I'd lay there and just think about getting up, packing a bag and hitchhiking my way, like chasing the sun basically. <laughs> yeah. and, well, it's forever the fantasy, right? Yeah, and, and the West was it. So it, that was kind of the impetus for it. But then I, I swear I didn't realize that, this until we finished recording but there are two other songs on the album that mention heading west so mm. it's like and that was complete yeah. coincidence i i didn't realize it until after the album was finished right on so now you've got this whole new record under your belt and it's great and now um we live in an era where we're no longer trapped inside we no longer get to use COVID as an excuse to hide out in mexico for three years martin 
time to get back out and promote your stuff. And that's exactly what you're doing. You've already got a couple shows under your belt. And in the very near future, we are literally, we're in South Minneapolis right now. The Smart Start MN studios are on Chicago Avenue in South Minneapolis. We're two doors down from the Parkway, which you're going to be doing a couple of shows at, one of which already sold out. But these are the official album release shows, yeah? Yeah, Twin Cities, yeah. Okay, all right, very good. What does that mean? Why, why did you make the distinction? Is it already out everywhere else in the rest of the world? No, I mean, the Twin Cities will always be my yeah, yeah. home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, so I look at it like, I think you look at your hometown release shows as the release shows. Yes. Let me ask you this. You're such a seasoned veteran at doing this, and you've done it for so long, and Minnesota is no stranger to you. But when people do so-called hometown shows... There's a little bit of added gravitas there, for lack of a better term. I don't even really know exactly what gravitas means, Sean. <laughs> um, but there is a little more heft to it. Do you ever get nervous or have sort of the anticipation of those kinds of shows when they're coming up? Or are you like, no problem, pick up my guitar, I don't even need to tune this shit, let's just go. Where, where are you at on that spectrum? Oh, nervous. I still get nervous at small shows i keep my eyes closed like glued shut when i play really always i mean have since high school cause right I've never been a comfortable performer but yeah i mean i always get nervous but i will be a little extra nervous for these never been a comfortable performer is kind of hard for me to believe so why why still do it i mean you don't have to tour in support of this record you could just put the record out oh well no i mean unfortunately it's like you playing live is how you make your yes. money how yeah. you pay the bills yeah. merch and playing live yep. baby and yeah and it gets harder and harder as your fans are older they they buy a lot less merch than, mm -hmm. really because oh, i yeah. i i can't go to a show i'm 55 years old I can't go to a show without blind, buying another black fucking concert T-shirt. I can't. Well, I don't know how. That's partly because you know that they're not making money on their right. actual music sales anymore. So he and I are big advocates. We tell people all the time, please buy the merch. Go to Bandcamp on Fridays yeah, and exactly. give the band all the money. Yep. Buy the fucking T-shirts yes. and the posters and the stickers. And yes, yes, Because yes. This, this is what we love to do. And the only way we get to keep enjoying the things that we love on the... The audience side is by supporting the performers that we love. Yeah, well, we certainly appreciate that. And we, like, over COVID, you realized how many people out there <sighs> were there to, like, wanting to help you out. Yes. You know, I would do these uh, live streams from Mexico. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think I saw one of those. People yeah. were crazy yeah. generous. And you could tell it was a, it was just a way to support you, to yep. help you weather. And, and we also, as musicians, made pretty big concessions to clubs to help mm -hmm. them to help them weather it and so it was it, we were all in it together sort of but it it was pretty amazing how fans really were there trying to help you through it That's how long so have cool. you been back in minnesota right now uh, a couple months all right very good and you're going to be in minnesota for a little bit longer here but then the tour is going to take you to other parts and i'm looking at the places you're going to like arlington heights Eau Claire, Kansas City, Omaha, Austin, back there again, uh, Austin, Texas, by the way, uh, but then Arizona and a couple stops in California. Is it because that's where you have fans or, I mean, how does a tour like this get set up? Like why those locations specifically? Well, I mean, 
They're heading west for one thing. Well, heading <laughs> heading south and hey, west. Hey, I see what you did. I see what yeah. you did. They're they're my best markets too. Yeah, that's and we great. will be hitting the east coast after uh, in spring. I just didn't want to tour the east coast in winter. No, but and well, I mean we you moved to Mexico to get away from that nonsense, <laughs> so that makes sense to me. It's hard enough to tour out east, and <laughs> you throw in snow and ice, and it's just like no way. But, yeah, but I. Uh, we are we're touring in a lot more, you know. I'm sixty and Nick's sixty and Randy's seventy. Yep. Um but over the years it's like you tour. I mean I've played all the lower forty eight and Really every all, one of them. Oh yeah. Really? And you go to all these pretty phenomenal places. Yeah. But you didn't get to see them. Oh yeah. Ever. You're I mean, so in and out. You're yeah. in and out in a year, especially yeah. because the hotels in San Francisco are crazy expensive. So, you know, you sell the Oakland page like in and out. So this time we're uh, taking two days off in every market. That's great. Just so we can hang and it's, I'm really excited about this tour because Randy from the Gear Daddies is yeah. doing it with us. Yeah. So it'd be, you know, Nick and Randy and I haven't toured together for 35 years. That's yeah, 35 old. Really? So it's going to be a blast and we're going to, I keep saying this is true, but Wilson, my 30-year-old son or 31-year-old son is will be the most mature one out there. <laughs> I will, and I'm not joking. He, yeah, re- yeah. he really will. We are going to regress big time. But. Dad, you and the boys have to come back to the hotel <laughs> now. He'll just roll his eyes. It's 3.30 in the morning. I know we don't have to get up early, but you have to come back. But that what you just said is taking the time to spend a couple of days in each of these cities is is kind of brilliant. I'm going with my daughter out to see a big, crazy, gothic new wave show in Huntington Beach next month, and um, we decided to take a couple extra days to dig around a portion of Southern California we've never checked out before. I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah, I mean, we're also we're uh, eliminating. Back in the old days, you played every night. Oh like yeah. The between your label and your booking agent oh. and manager, whatever they, a night off was money going out the door with nothing coming in. So we'd end up playing a lot of markets, you know, between, you know, we do Santa Fe, for instance. Yeah. We'd never draw well in Santa Fe. So this one, I just decided we're just going to hit the markets. I know I draw well in and mm-hmm. again, take, we're, we're <clears throat> taking three days off in Austin, Texas, because we have so many friends there. And, mm-hmm. And two days off in Phoenix, and two days off in L.A., and two days off in San Francisco. Fabulous. Yeah. How long did you live down in Austin, Texas? Because you were down there for years, too. Yeah. Uh, two, four, and five, I guess. Yeah, I remember those days as well. The, I think the real key, if you really want some great stories about a band, talk to their road manager, their roadie. So Jimmy Dutch Gaines is an old friend of mine, and I know he worked with you guys for oh, years. Yeah. <laughs> so... I've already, I'm not going to share some of these stories on the show. I'm just telling you, if you really want to hear some great stories, talk to a roadie or a road manager sometime and you'll get to hear all of them. I know Dutch pretty well. <laughs> yeah. and I've never heard one of these stories, but yeah. that's going to change before the weekend is over. I'll tell <laughs> yeah. you that much right now. I'm going to shut him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A little hush money before yeah. I get a hold of him, right? Martin Zeller is our guest right now. The new album is called Head West. The tour is underway, and you are going to be landing, I just want to make sure I got the dates right, at the Parkway Theater coming up on the 20th and 21st of this month. But the 21st 
is completely sold out. But the night before, you might be able to get in and see the full band along with Martin Zeller. MartinZeller.com is ground zero, right? That's where people go to find out all your info, figure out how to get the record, merch, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, buy everything. Knock on wood, but there there are only nine tickets left for the Friday. So oh, wow. you wanna you wanna buy them now. Well, and unfortunately I'm certain that they're already effing gone. It's over. Um there we go. So that being said, you can drive to Eau Claire and check them out on the 29th, or you can drive to Kansas City, which I've never been to, but uh, that's coming up in early November. Um, you are still going to be in the Midwest during winter, though, so you know you're going to yeah. get a little slap, right? A little, yeah. I mean, Nothing I mean, terrible. Yeah, I, it's fine as long as I know it's not going to be a long term yes. thing. Yeah, and yeah. you realize that once again, when it's all over, uh, the grind, the playing, the people, the nonstop nonsense and tomfoolery you get to go back to mexico man is mexico great uh we love it i mean yeah love the country i mean it's not just about the fact that it's cheap that definitely isn't of course not. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. like where you live the lifestyle you've adopted you wouldn't have been there this long if it weren't i just you know for i think for a lot of people it's hard for them to imagine i'm pulling up stakes and i'm moving to mexico like a lot of people can't get their head around that notion but you did and you don't regret a second of it do you no i mean and I, i'll say again it isn't nearly as hard as you would think and you know the world's a small place with internet and zoom and we yeah. have the same cable TV package, you know, down yeah. there. I can sit and watch the Twins down oh. there. We have access, you know, now with, there's the upside uh, streaming and is that we can get a new album at the same time as someone in New York. We can watch a movie at the same time, you know, a new movie. That's great. Um, Are you looking forward to getting that new uh, 1989 uh, Taylor's version that's coming out here before the end of the month? I'm a huge Taylor so fan. So am I. Huge so Taylor everybody fan. Yep. She's no changing no. the nature of the world yeah. and the game everywhere she walks and steps. Martin Zeller, uh, it has been wonderful to see you. I cannot believe it's been more than 25 years since I've seen you face-to-face. And again, you look like a lovely vision, whereas I look like I was possibly in a terrible accident. I, I want to go back to that rakes. I like <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, yeah. be, I'm gonna yeah. use that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> beaten with rakes. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you, it's all fun and games until you're literally beaten <laughs> yeah. with rakes. Before we say goodbye to Martin, I do want to once again thank Smart Start MN. Without them, we did not get off the ground. We wouldn't still be doing what we're doing today. Thanks to Scott Mackay, the mortgage guy. Thanks to our friends at AudioQuip. Without them, we don't have any of the equipment in the modest yet somehow still pretty fucking fantastic Smart Start MN studio. And my thanks to Sean Bernard. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. And Martin, thank you for your music, man. I mean, just over the years, you know, from the Gear Daddies to your original music that you've done after the Gear Daddies, thank you for keeping keeping it going and keeping the music going because it's just been outstanding I'm, i think we're both big fans and it's really cool to have you in today so a singular you. voice and a singular songwriter yes, absolutely and the number of times you know both sean and i have gone through recovery right yeah. and so and i know that you've been sober mm-hmm. for quite some yeah. time um but when i when i used to listen to the song um drank so much tonight uh i it oh pfft. well statue uh-huh. of jesus with me and my old man you know and the daddy 
says oh, everything I touched turned to shit. That wasn't far off from what my father actually said to me. So there's, I'm sure you've had, <laughs> I mean it, I mean it. So it's like, I'm sure you've had people come up to you and you're like, whoa, 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 I'm not your therapist. I just wrote this song. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but, you know, you know, it help goes, me, but Martin, help, help me, help me, help me, he's singing right to me. Exactly. But it's so cool. So thank you so much for, for everything you've done to contribute to this phenomenal Twin Cities music scene and everything else. So, yeah, well, and that's exactly it. The, yeah. We owe the Gear Daddies. I owe the scene and everything. We moved up from Austin, Minnesota yeah. at the right place. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, and frankly, you rode the coattails of some pretty amazing bands. Oh, you may, no, you may have been, walk, rode the well, you may have been walk, able to walk in. Because they were still holding the door open. Exactly. But I would never say that you wrote anyone's no coattails way. because no. if you don't come in with the quality of material that you came in with, it doesn't happen. Nobody gives a shit. You have made your own legacy. So maybe you got here. At the, I mean, timing is everything, yes. right? I mean, the reason yeah. I've worked in radio for 30 years is I hit it in the right place at the right time. When grunge exploded and I happened to be working at Radio K and I got a job and I've had a job ever since then. You did not ride anybody's fucking coattails. No. Name another Minnesota band. In fact, okay, no, we're not going to do this. We got to wrap things up because <laughs> I, I, I was about to say we'll have money another time. No, no, we'll I, talk we will. More but, about I, but I mean, like, I feel like so many bands that have traversed whatever you want to call it. I don't really believe it. Labeling or compartmentalizing Americana, bluegrass, country, whatever the case may be. I think far more people rode your coattails that you wrote anyone yeah. else's coattails because well you brought the music that you brought to this scene at a time when that music was perhaps not the most popular form of music in popular culture or the upper Midwest. So, sorry. I'm sorry that Sean and I just both jumped on you there, but that was some <laughs> bullshit right there. You didn't ride anybody's fucking coattails. I am Brian. That is Sean. We are going to go. Martin Zeller has been our guest. It's been delightful. Now, for people who are like, oh, good days were great, but maybe haven't heard head west would you say that there's a different theme are you still the same guy did you bring i mean like are you when you get into the studio because clearly you love it but when you get in there you're like no let's try a mellotron or uh, you know i mean like are, are you a guy who has to constantly challenge yourself or is this going to be familiar territory relatively familiar territory for people who come to the table oh uh, there's going to be threads but i mean you touched on something it's like I'm not the same guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. very literally not the same guy. I yeah. mean, I wrote She's Happy, which is... Oh. I wrote that when I was 17 years old. Oh, shut I'm up. I'm 60. No, you, like, didn't. Oh, no yeah. you did not write that when you were 17 yeah, years old. high school band used to play it. Wow. So, Nearly every single day she cries? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm that feels like a cover, because, again, that was so what? long ago. Except you wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, there's a thread wow. you'll see, but, I mean... People always ask if we're going to do another Gear Daddy's album, and just like I, it, no, right? those yeah. songs are like, those songs are Gear Daddy songs. I couldn't. I it's mean, a I, time capsule. Yeah, man. yeah. yeah. I could, I could life, write yeah. those. I could fake my way through and write those sure. just out of like through songwriting discipline. But yeah. it's not who I am, and people have an expectation of a Gear Daddy song. Mm -hmm. It usually has something to do with drinking. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> So I, I, that's that's gone, and I love those guys, and I love doing the shows yeah. with them. Still, it's like family. But well, considering Randy's with you, um, I mean, like, so when you do a show to support this new release, I mean, do you throw the audience a couple bones? Are you gonna throw them a couple Gear Daddy songs, or do you not do that? Oh no, yeah. I mean, I wrote them 
I still They're yours. Yeah, I love a lot of those songs. Yeah, sure. I mean, to I couldn't not. For well, the, personal reasons, I couldn't just, like... There are it. artists who show up, and they're like, we don't do any of the old stuff anymore. Uh, we're different now. Yeah, we're it's... called the uh, the Satin Kings, and <laughs> uh, we don't do any Zambonis or any of that nonsense anymore. Um, well, good. I just I was curious. So if people want to try to get in or get any of those last remaining tickets, martinzeller.com is ground zero, where you get the information, you get the music, you get the merch, you get everything you need to know. And finally... After this long, arduous podcast where I will not stop talking, we get to hear something off your latest record, Head West. Will you tell me a little bit about this song before we get into it? Uh, I, I picked this one just because it's called We Ran Wild. It's in the tale of the line is back in the day. And it definitely is about the scene. I mean, the, I, I had a guy walk up to me. He was from back in the day. And I kind of remembered him <laughs> but he, he, remember, he remembered me and he was very familiar but uh and he he was talking about basically back in the day but he had he had one line that when he said it was just like oh there's a song which was oh. he was he had hit really hard times and went through a lot of shit and he said he said the line uh people tell me i'm lucky to still be alive and then mm. Kind of under his breath, he said, I'm not sure that's true. Which was like, hit me really hard. And it's like, so it's like that line, then I kind of built the song out of that line. That line just sort of knocked me over. I mean, I think it describes a lot of us, man. That was not it. We were living hard. And so there go all of us, but for the grace of God. I mean, think about. That era, I think the Gear Days are one of the only bands of that era where all the original members are alive. Oh, my gosh. Well, on that upbeat note, um, <laughs> Martin, uh, it was a perfect way for an interview with me. It, like, was, it was excellent to see your face, and I look forward to seeing you hopefully in less than 25 years. But if we're both around in 25 years, I am going to haunt you absolutely. Thank you very much, Martin. Again, martinzeller.com is where you get the information. Thanks for tuning into The Brian Oak Show. And from his latest Head West, We Ran Wild. Martin Zeller on The Brian Oak Show. I'm not 
Check out a show we both knew. 